Welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, your host, and if you've arrived here, there must be a reason. I'm guessing you're curious to learn more about improving your wellbeing alongside ADHD, or maybe looking for some advice or guidance to feel healthier and calmer. So, why start this podcast? I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids, and I discovered my own ADHD alongside one of my daughters at the age of 40. And now, after supporting many other women just like me, and probably you, I feel there's a need for more emphasis on well-being and lifestyle help for women with ADHD. And through the podcast, I want to offer you new insights and perspectives to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and balanced life. So wherever you are on your ADHD journey, my aim is to support you in finding the awareness and the most aligned tools to enhance your well-being so you can make the most intentional mindset and lifestyle choices moving forwards. Ready to get started? Here's the episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast and today I have Alita Storch. Now Alita is an anti-diet dietitian, I love that, therapist and she's a certified body trust provider and I think you are in Seattle from what I've read and she specializes in providing anti-diet value-centered body liberation work for people that have disordered eating or a history of dieting or autoimmune conditions with ADHD. And Elise is currently working with individual clients in her virtual private practice, which is called Wise Heart Nutrition, and also runs lots of different groundbreaking online group programs, which include an anti-diet approach to eating with ADHD. And she wholeheartedly believes that food freedom and body trust are our birthrights and that every individual is the expert of their own body. I think that's beautiful. And I just wanted to welcome you onto the podcast. I've been really looking forward to having this conversation with you. I think so many people are going to benefit from your knowledge and your expertise. Um, So welcome. Hi, Kate. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. So am I right? You are based in Seattle. I'm actually, I'm based in Bellingham um, as of August. So I just moved north for like an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. So I think the first thing I'd love to ask you about is intuitive eating. And I think we'll get into the nitty gritty of all the different connections with ADHD and nutrition. But we hear this terminology bandied around and it can feel quite big and we're not quite sure what that means. Can you explain what it means and I guess are most people eating intuitively or how does that work? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I like to think of intuitive eating as just being able to like know your own body and understand your own needs and be able to like eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full and like sometimes thinking ahead and being able to eat even though you're not hungry, but you know you're going to be hungry later. Or sometimes eating beyond fullness because you're celebrating at a party and you really enjoy chocolate cake. Oftentimes people just see it as like that hunger fullness diet of, of only eating when you're hungry and stopping when you're full. And there are so many more factors that are involved in it. And with folks with ADHD, there's this idea like we can't listen to our bodies or we have too much impulsivity to be able to honor exactly what our body needs in the moment. 
And that's what I always thought about intuitive eating. Um, so I was really resistant to it for a very long time until I started to understand my brain. And then I was able to kind of work that into the intuitive eating um, kind of approach. So, yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. So am I right in saying it's being mindful about your eating, but also recognizing what your body needs on different days and bearing in mind we're women so we've got cycles and mm-hmm. I guess bringing quite a bit of compassion towards ourselves of what we're we're feeling yeah and I yeah. think the mindfulness is really probably quite a poignant one isn't it because mm-hmm. we can like you say the impulsivity we can eat for the sake of it and I know that from speaking to lots of different people that disordered eating is a you know it comes hand in hand often with ADHD especially binge yeah. eating how do you, when you've got your clients that come to you, how do you help them navigate a path towards yeah. intuitive eating? Yeah. So yeah, I would say that most people with ADHD who come to me come with this idea that that they are just binge eating, right? Like that they have binge eating disorder or they are just um, like quote unquote overeating. And a lot of the work we do is kind of dissecting what that means and understanding why the binge eating is happening. And I would say like 99% of the time is actually a symptom of restriction. And that restriction can be from diet culture, right? It can be intentional, it can be dieting, but with ADHD, it can also be like forgetting to eat or not getting very much variety um, with the food that we're eating, or maybe like with medication, not feeling hungry all day and then eating a ton at night. But because of diet culture and the way that we are taught how we should eat in response to only hunger, that often gets missed. And so oftentimes ADHDers just think that they're binging and don't really have the recognition that it's actually restriction. So I help people really identify like what's underlying that binge eating and working on building like tools and support systems to make sure that all of their food needs are getting met. And, and if they are, you know, well-nourished and they're getting pleasure and satisfaction from food and they still find themselves binging, then that would be like one more place to work on um, kind of developing like a toolbox for sometimes using food for emotions and then also having other tools. Yeah, I think what you say is, is really interesting, but it's so multi-layered in different areas, isn't it? Because, you know, you talk about the anti-diet culture or the diet culture that so many of us, especially as women who are maybe just discovering we've got ADHD, we've had ADHD all our lives, and we may have grown up in this culture where it was just normal to either to see a a mother on, on a diet or just to see it. And it's only just very, very recently recognizing that this diet culture isn't right and it's bred lots of disordered eating sadly but we were also contending with like you said medication but also our brain chemicals of seeking dopamine which I have historically understood you know for for binge eating that we do have um, a lack of dopamine and so very often through food we find we we try and replace it how do we then know which what's going on with it, with ADHD. Yeah. It can be really hard to tell. Um, and like I said, like 99% of the people who walk through my door, there are these other underlying food needs that are not being met. It's almost like we can't know if it's dopamine seeking, if we're not fully nourished. 
And so then once somebody is fully nourished, they're getting variety, they're eating consistently throughout the day, they're eating enough, and they're eating foods that they really enjoy, getting pleasure and satisfaction, that's when we can then tell, like, is this more of a dopamine-seeking behavior? And we know that dopamine-seeking of food is exacerbated when we're undernourished. So that dopamine seeking is going to be more intense. Food is going to be more rewarding and more exciting if we're not eating enough. Um, so one of the ways of managing that is actually eating, which feels like very backwards and, and can feel confusing and, and almost like radical for a lot of people. So it's a lot of like leaning in and trusting and experimentation with that. Yeah. I think also like from a medication perspective, especially if we are just trying out new new medications and some of them are appetite suppressants, that we suddenly realize at 4 p.m. that we've not eaten properly and we've not felt hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where that intuitive eating piece can get really confusing, right? Like if you're just waiting for those hun- hunger signals, then you're not going to eat until 4 p.m. And so that's where I hear ADHDers say, like, well, I can't be intuitive. But really, we basically go down to, okay, how can you understand that your body is going to need food before 4 p.m., right? If you're binging at night, your body is telling you, I need food earlier in the day. How can you use that information to then feed yourself earlier in the day and maybe like set reminders so that you are getting food, even if you don't feel like that physical hunger? And then one of the things about ADHD, the symptoms of hunger often mimic ADHD. So when people say like throughout the day, like my ADHD symptoms are so much worse, that can be an indication that we're hungry and and not like we don't have enough medication or our ADHD is, is not well managed. And so that can be part of that intuitive eating process, like understanding hunger in different ways. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I'm just thinking about myself and my family and my kids so we've all got the hunger gene you know like the hungry angry <laughs> and yep. so you know growing up we all knew that whoever was like hungry it would be like stay away but now I understand it's that's our ADHD you know the emotional dysregulation blood sugar you know the whole combination of it it being exacerbated and my husband when we first got together he'd never really seen it before and he was like you're an adult like you should be able to control your emotions when you're hungry it's like you can't I can't have a conversation with you if I'm hungry so I know I think I just picked up intuitive eating because I've known that I don't like being hungry but I've got four kids and I've got a couple of them that I have to hand them a piece of toast when they walk in through the door I have to, you know, and it sometimes sounds a little bit kind of like I'm still babying them, but I just know that I have to kind of remind them and explain to them, you need to eat before we have this kind of conversation because there will be temper, there'll be anger. And as soon as we've eaten, it's just everything is completely different. Yeah. Yeah. That is so real. (laughs) It's really hard to connect the dots, isn't it? Especially if we don't know we've got ADHD, that we respond quite badly to being hungry. Yeah, and that emotional dysregulation can be so intense. And that can be where people feel like maybe they're eating emotionally, right? Because you're feeling a lot. And then and then maybe like going to the cabinet and eating like an entire bag of chips or whatever it is. So then people will say like, well, I must be emotionally eating when really you're like eating because you're emotional, but you're emotional because you're hungry. But 
I think some people have been so disconnected for so long, haven't they, with food and, and, and recognising all the different signs that, I guess, what food can and can't give them. Do you see a lot of people that come in there and just feel so disconnected? Yeah, absolutely. Like that disembodiment and, and what you're describing for yourself is um, what we would call like gentle nutrition, right? Like thinking about like, okay, not only do I know I need food, but I know that like a meal or a snack with protein is actually going to help me feel less foggy than if I just had, you know, one, one macronutrient. Um, and so that's the gentle nutrition. And I like to think of the nutrition healing work as a pyramid where gentle nutrition is on top. And that's like the last step that, that we work on. And you start at the bottom of the pyramid, which is like just getting enough food and it doesn't matter what kind of food it is. And then working your way up um, through those things like variety and pleasure um, and, and accessibility, right? Like having an abundance of food. That's really interesting because what you said about variety, but what I'm thinking is that people have with ADHD more so that certain textures, sensory stuff with food, only having a specific type of colour, all these different things have come into play from a very young age and that's carried through until adulthood. So when you talk about variety, that can really, you know, be a problem. And again, I can see I'm thinking of several different people who um, different colours of food, just it's just like no way. <laughs> but when you're an adult and these nutritional needs um, have to be met so we can work we can parent we can live the best lives it's it's almost like unlearning everything from a young age and that's that can feel really hard work can't it yeah yeah it can feel really scary and there's no timeline right like I can't say we're gonna do like two weeks on the bottom layer of the pyramid and then we'll do a week on the next layer right like for some people they spend six months or even longer just figuring out how to eat enough and then we can move up to to more of that variety but if those food needs aren't getting met then they can't do that work of like okay i need a protein and a carbohydrate at 10 a.m because our bodies like don't really care about what nutrients we're getting if we're not getting all of those other food needs met and i've seen on your instagram which is brilliant and you give lots of great advice about food prep and helping yourself i guess isn't it like using um, an instant pot what tips would you be able to give as, in a bit of a snapshot of basically in helping ourselves and, and helping ourselves be organized, helping ourselves to be ahead, you know, especially when shopping can feel um, overwhelming, piecing recipes together. Again, I think I've probably mentioned on the podcast before that I um, I do love cooking, but if you give me a recipe, it takes all the pleasure away. And some people love a recipe, like my sister loves a recipe. But for me, it's like pull stuff out the fridge and whip up whatever, you know, I can find. But sometimes if you don't have that like for cooking, that can feel really challenging. So what tips would you give people so they can be ahead of themselves and, and feel yeah. like they are in control of, of getting the right nutrients? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess first want to say, like, I love what you're doing with like the creativity piece right? And kind of using that part, a lot of ADHDers have that creative side of their brain. Um, and so being able to say like, you don't need a recipe, you can actually just get creative if that's something you enjoy doing. But I would say like the biggest tip that I start with is to keep it simple. 
we have this idea that in order to be like, quote unquote, like good eaters or to be healthy, that we have to be preparing every single thing from scratch and that everything has to look like this, you know, Instagram worthy meal or snack. And it's, it's just not true, right? Like you can throw together a random snack and that's totally like just based on what you have and that's totally fine. But one of the keys is having that food available that you can grab from. And so it might be just like stocking your fridge with foods that you know that you like and not not trying to say like, I'm going to have cheese and crackers on Monday afternoon, right? It might be like open the fridge and really start to think about like what actually sounds good, what speaks to you, and then just grabbing that and eating it and letting that be okay. And then with meals, really relying on like pre-cut vegetables, right? Because if, if there's too many steps, we're not going to do it. Um, and that's something I learned about myself early on. I'm not going to sit and cut up an onion and carrots and celery to start a soup. Um, and so I'll just buy the like combo pack of like mirepoix, right? And and just use that um, because it's already prepared. It makes things easier. And so really just asking like, how can I make this one or two or three steps easier mm-hmm. and not feel all this pressure to have to do everything um, yeah. on my own. Um, yeah. And that, that goes against diet culture, but it's so important for, for folks with executive dysfunction. Absolutely. And it's just like, get rid of the shame and the stigma is like, you can cook from scratch, but you can cheat as well. And, you know, here in the UK, we have amazing range of frozen vegetables. And what you just said there, we've got like loads of different mixes. And again, I use that. We've got, um, it's like a sofrito mix where you can do the, exactly what you said, the carrot, I think it's courgette, onion and celery. And that's normally my base for so much. I just throw that in. It's spag bol, it's soups, it's lasagna. And I try and make my life as easy as possible. I don't want to prove anything to anyone anymore. Like I don't have to prove that I'm a good mum. I'm a good wife for spending another hour in the kitchen if I don't need to. So like tins and frozen food and like you say, um, you know, pre-cut vegetables and fruit, if you can afford it and you know sometimes we have to weigh it up I often stand in the supermarket and look at all the pre-prepared vegetables and I see the price markup and I think don't be lazy like don't spend x more money if you don't need to but then my brain kicks in and says to me well what what's the price that you're going to pay you know if you've got time this is going to make you less stressed it's going to make you less overwhelmed it's going to make you feel like it's a much easier task so I would I would say anyone listening that kind of thinks oh it's it's bad to you know buy all the pre-prepared stuff just weigh it up and if if it makes your life easier do it right right yeah that that's so funny I had such a similar experience yesterday I was making like this pasta bake and um I went to the cheese section and it was like do I buy a whole block of cheese or do I buy the pre-grated and I was like, man, am I really going to grate all of that cheese? Probably not. So then like half of that block is just going to go bad in the fridge. And so really I'm like saving myself by buying the pre-grated because it's not going to get wasted. So it actually will cost me less in the long run. And then, yeah, I did make the dish and it was delicious. And, and now I have grated cheese for something else that I can use that that's already there for me. 
Um, yeah. yeah. So I love that idea of like weighing the costs and the benefits. I think it is. And it's just, again, it's removing that, that shame of it doesn't have to look like other people's food on Instagram. It doesn't have to match like all the recipes that you've seen if it's working for you and you enjoy it and it's hopefully balanced in some way then just and I think it just goes to a much bigger um way of thinking with ADHD is that we have always been conditioned to do things the way other people do it and we try and fit into boxes that other people do but our way of doing things has always been different like we we just think differently and we whether it's, you know, time saving or whether it's just because it just doesn't go in. Like we just, it's just like, no, that doesn't feel right. But we've tried and I get, and I think just cooking and food, it's okay if you do it your way and it's healthy and it's making you feel good and you're getting the right amount of food that you need to get to prevent you from having, I guess, um, issues with, with food and disordered eating and, and, the binge eating which again that cycle of shame just comes back at you the next day yeah absolutely and even like preventing like you said like that hanger right mm-hmm. like yeah it's gonna save you like 20 minutes to have all the pre-prepared ingredients then you get to eat 20 minutes earlier and maybe you'll be nicer to your family <laughs> for 20 extra minutes uh, yeah. yeah and I saw on your I saw in your <laughs> Instagram that you're a big fan of the instant pot is that right yes Yes. And I'm like not sponsored by Instant Pot. I don't get any kickbacks, but I, I really believe that like every ADHD should experiment with one and see if it's something that works for them. Um, because you can you can throw anything in. And one of my favorite things is like taking frozen meat out of the freezer and throwing it in because I never remember to take it out. That's just not something that's gonna happen for me. And so that was a big game changer. And yeah, just being able to like throw things in and walk away makes making dinner so much easier for me yeah I have to say I've got one as well and I love it and I use it for so many different things and exactly that you know say you come in from work or you come in with your kids and you've had that realization that you've not done anything it's all it's just so much quicker and again it's you've got another tool to your belt haven't you of instead of shaming yourself and oh my god I've not done this again it's okay. Like I've got the instant pot. I can do this. I can throw some stuff in from the freezer and dinner will still be ready, you know, at a decent time, as opposed to having to resort to whether it's takeaway and the spiral of, of, of shame again of, oh, here's another night I've, I've done a takeaway, another night I've not been organized. So it's definitely trying to find lots of tools and hacks that work for mm-hmm. us that may not work for other people with other families that you know I was speaking to someone recently someone else with ADHD and she just said the minute she dropped this story that everything had to look like her neighbor or her friend the way they did things it was like this freedom it was almost like this blank canvas for life that she'd written lo- all these rules that the way things should be And she kept struggling to achieve these, you know, get to that place of, of, and and she was comparing herself all the time. And then she just made a choice. It's literally just making choice that I'm not going to subscribe to the way they do things because the way they do things is the way that's right for them. It's not right for me. 
And once we make that choice, when we've got the recognition that, okay, we've got ADHD, this is why we've always been in resistance to lots of things, we've struggled, but I can make a choice now. I can either do things my way, which work and still feeds me and still feeds my family, or I can still keep pushing and resisting and getting angry with myself. So it's nice to be able to have that place where it, it's almost like a self-acceptance and a forgiveness mm-hmm. for the way yeah. we are. And let's find a way that works for us. It's totally like unlearning that internalized ableism, right? That belief that we're broken if we can't do things perfectly or consistently or in an organized way. Um, and so, yeah, like you said, like letting go of that narrative. And that's where the self-compassion piece is huge. I think that it comes into every conversation that I have with an ADHD or in every session. We talk about, okay, and how can you have self-compassion, right? Because things aren't going to go, like you said, the way that, that we're taught or we're shown they should, that it should go. Yeah. Self-compassion is huge. <sighs> always learning, always learning. And and I think we have to have the self-compassion for knowing, like you say, that every day is going to be different and we're going to have really good days and we're going to think we've like smashed it and we've learned. And then we're going to wake up the next morning and everything's going to be late. And we didn't go to bed the night before, like the time we wanted to. And we're going to start the morning. But that doesn't mean that every day is going to be like that. Whereas I think maybe beforehand, we just wrote this script about ourselves. And we kind of like fall into that character of I'm the person that can't get up in time to have breakfast. I'm the person that doesn't prepare dinner. And we just you know, fall into that way of being. Whereas maybe we can just start talking to ourselves that every day we just try the hardest that we can with the resources that we've got, depending on our cycles, depending on all the outside, you know, circumstances that are going on because nothing's linear and no one's perfect, ADHD or not, like no one is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so much of like meal planning and and thinking about food and cooking is almost like planning for that perfect day every day. And so I love to think about like, how can we plan for different levels of energy and time and capacity and even like motivation, right? And maybe, maybe you sleep in past your alarm, like, can you have one breakfast option that's just grab and go? for those days where you, where you don't get up early, but then you could have an option for the days where you do get up early, right? Like maybe you're making an omelet on those days where you feel like a 10 and you're grabbing a granola bar on the days where you feel like a one. And that way you're still nourishing your body and you're still feeding yourself and not falling into that pit of shame of like, oh, I didn't feed myself again. I didn't have time. Um, and so it, it is like almost this level planning and knowing like, we're gonna have a whole range of days and that's okay. Yeah, I love that. It's like making allowances, but also planning for the days that aren't going to go according to plan and having backup plans. Yeah, that's really I'm a big fan of a backup plan. <laughs> yeah, and that's just real life, isn't it? So that's it's like it's almost you know, especially when you have got kids, you recognise that you have to have like snacks in the car like a bottle of water in the car. I've got like emergency nuts in my you know my glove compartment. And I've just learned over the years that, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. You can be stuck in traffic and one of your kids is having a meltdown. But 
you're allowed to do that for yourself as well. You're allowed to have like these backup plans. So living in a busy household where I'm constantly switching tasks, which we all know isn't that easy for the ADHD brain, I've recently been using a new tool to help me focus and concentrate while getting my work done. I came across Brain FM after someone else with ADHD recommended it to me. And wow, I'm so glad I discovered it. I'm hooked and I'm using it pretty much every day now for various situations. Brain FM has access to over a thousand tracks across a wide range of different music genres and nature soundscapes, all specifically designed to help you focus, sleep, relax and meditate. I've recently used the different soundscapes to relax on a plane, train and cab, as well as choosing an hour-long relaxed track while having some very much needed reflexology. I've also used it to help me meditate and focus on my breath. And if you are anything like me, I can get easily distracted by outside noises and having the Brain FM app on my phone is a quick option to help me do what I want to do distraction-free. But here's the best bit if you're interested in the neuroscience like me. Brain FM has based all their chosen tracks on neuroscience and psychology, so you can discover the perfect music for your brain by personalising science-based features like neural effect and music complexity. And Brain FM's music is purpose-built to guide your brain into your desired mental state every time, meaning we can change our own neural pathways using Brain FM's chosen tracks. And the focus music is made to help you work better by blending into the background so you can focus distraction free. And trust me, it works. I've been so productive using Brain FM. And this is all the while stimulating the brain with gentle rhythmic pulses in the music that supports sustained attention. Now, if this is something that you feel that you need in your life, and trust me, I would not be promoting it if I didn't think it was worthwhile. I've got a discount code for you. So you can head to brain.fm forward slash ADHD women's wellbeing. That's brain.fm forward slash ADHD women's wellbeing. And I've got a code for you, which is ADHD women's wellbeing. You can start your free trial straight away. And then you get the discount when they decide to charge you. All the details I will put on my show notes. So if you go to brain.fm, ADHD Women's Wellbeing, and use the coupon code ADHD Women's Wellbeing. I also wanted to ask you a little bit about, I guess, what you see with women, sorry, women and men, but I'm just kind of thinking women now, who are coming in and presenting with kind of things that come in combination with ADHD, such as gut problem, um, gut problems and um, maybe autoimmune conditions, maybe things like chronic fatigue syndrome, that there may not be kind of lots of scientific evidence that there are connections, but I know sort of anecdotally, I've seen it and I know you've probably seen it. What, how, why is that? Why are we presenting with these different conditions alongside the ADHD? Yeah, yeah, I love that question. I think it's something that like I wish I even talked more more about because it's something I see so often. Um and oftentimes like these conditions that are would be considered like not well managed, right? And like thinking about like my own experience, um I have hypothyroid and if I am not eating consistently, I'm not getting enough food throughout the day, my symptoms get worse regardless of how much medication I'm taking. 
And so oftentimes like that's happening because of the ADHD and it's making the, you know, the fatigue and just like not feeling well, the brain fog, it's making it worse, but I'm blaming it on the ADHD and not really thinking about like, okay, well, maybe if I was just feeding myself, like all of these things could be better. And so I think it it is more about like the organization and the management of, of our lives in general that we see these conditions exacerbated in folks that have ADHD. It's sort of like a parallel symptom, I guess, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Um, yeah. Is that is that kind of what you were? Yeah. Thinking? I mean, I would say that I suffered with um, irritable bowel syndrome for quite a long time. And I have only recently made that connection between that and I think ADHD because there was a lots of masking of symptoms not quite understanding where my anxiety was coming from, not quite understanding that where I would feel overwhelmed. It was definitely, you know, as a teenager, my IBS was there and it would flare up. And I think I had variations of a panic attack that I look back on, I think, okay, that could have been a panic attack. And it definitely, I feel that as I learned to manage my ADHD more or recognise possibly just where I needed to feel calmer, where I needed to bring in lots of lifestyle interventions, I noticed that my IBS dissipated. So the more I looked after my lifestyle, and this is way before my ADHD diagnosis, I just kind of recognized if I felt overwhelmed, when I was anxious, when I wasn't sleeping properly. And I tried to just bring in lots of different interventions. I'm so grateful to my mum because she also ADHD, but also very aware of the connection between lifestyle and well-being. And she, you know, started doing yoga mid 80s, maybe, where she recognised that this kind of like stretching new conditioning class that she'd been to was really helping her nervous system that was, you know, had this propensity to be flared up at any given situation. So I think I recognise that if I looked after my maybe my nervous system, my IBS felt better. But again, I feel blessed that I had this kind of knowledge and awareness, but so many people haven't been given this awareness and are walking around and have had, you know, long-term gut issues. And like you say, battling with, you know, thyroid issues and different autoimmune problems. Where do people start if they're listening to this now and they are recognizing that this is them, this has been a big part of their life for so long? Yeah. Can it be managed through food and food alone? Right. Right. I would say the answer to that is no. And I'm so glad that you, yeah, that you mentioned more of like that stress management because there is such a connection between our guts and our brains. And there's like actually a nerve that connects the two. And so ADHDers have been found to have higher levels of stress and higher levels of cortisol. And those things are going to make GI conditions, especially like IBS, are going to make them worse. And so when we can care for ourselves more holistically, right, not just food, food is like one, one tiny piece, but yeah, sleep and being able to move your body in a way that feels good and, and being able to connect with friends and have all of these other um, pieces of wellness attended to that that that's going to help both with like the autoimmune or the chronic condition and it's also going to help with ADHD that it's going to it's going to be twofold yeah and I think what you were just saying then about the stress management side I'm just thinking of someone that I uh, I'm working with and she is really not happy in her work 
really, really not happy. She doesn't feel fulfilled. She she doesn't feel like her authentic self. And I can see that she's just living this kind of day-to-day high stress, probably inflammation going on in her body. I know she's not eating and exercising properly because she's working very long hours. And so we kind of often think, you know, I'm just going to change my diet. I'm just going to start eating more vegetables. Everything's going to be fine. (laughs) And yeah, obviously bringing in more nutrients and vitamins, you know, through diet is always going to be helpful, especially kind of maybe with brain fog. Um, Our digestive system working better is going to make us feel happier. But if there's lots of other pillars going on in our life that aren't working, especially, I, I really do feel, especially with ADHD, if we're not fulfilled, that is a massive energy drain, isn't it? It's such a, it sucks everything from us. So sometimes if you are still having gut problems, maybe it's worth looking at the other things going on as well. And do you, do you cover that when you speak to your clients, when they come in and they think it's just a food issue, but actually there's there's something else going on? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like I had a great session this morning where we talked a lot about boundaries at work um, and how Like if we're not setting boundaries, then we're not able to care for ourselves in all of these different areas. Um, And that's going to make everything feel worse. And so rather than setting a goal of like, great, I'm going to have better boundaries, right? Like thinking about like, what is like one small, teeny tiny, simple change that I could make? And maybe it's bringing a timer to session. Um, just as like a reminder to wrap up on time, um, that that could be like a boundary that I could start setting. And ADHDers really like to set these like big generic broad goals that we can't actually ever follow through on. (laughs) Um, And so yeah, really like zooming in and thinking about like, what is the first step? You know, if, if you're not getting enough sleep, maybe it is trying to go to bed 10 minutes earlier tonight um, and letting that be enough. Um, rather than, well, I'm going to go to bed at eight o'clock every single night from now on, (laughs) which is just not realistic and leads to shame. Um, Yeah. So we talk a lot about, um, yeah, how do you kind of challenge that all or nothing thinking um, when it comes to health and wellness? That pressure that we put on ourselves, these huge goals, and then we obviously fall short because that's human nature, that's behavior, you know, and it's unless you have got the willpower of, you don't know, like the strongest person in the world, we're never going to be able to match these expectations that we put on ourselves, but we, we still keep doing it. So I think what I'm trying to say is just, it's sometimes good to just let go of the pressure, let go of the expectations and be a bit more open to like flexible thinking. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not like giving up or being lazy. Right. It's like, it's actually like coming into reality and recognizing like, okay, and I'm a human and I'm a human with ADHD and like here, yeah, here's what I can do right now. And that can be enough. And that's that self-compassion again. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And then when, when we say this kind of, I guess maybe people come to you and they say they may be expecting like big changes in, you know, a week, two weeks, you know, they want to overhaul their whole kind of diet, nutrition, and they want to learn everything. And actually, it's that's just not going to be possible no. for anyone. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's like a lifelong process, right? And there might be changes that are made one week, and then they are totally like going going back 
um, the following week, right? Like that's that idea of like not every day or every week is going to look the same. And so just being open to like a longer timeline, kind of reducing some of those expectations. Um, but it's definitely like when ADHDers get excited and motivated, it's sort of like, I want this now. <laughs> How do I do this right now? Yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's like the impatience combined with that like big dopamine surge of like let's make this all happen like next week and we have to kind of rein in the enthusiasm which gets us you know it, it get it makes us achieve things which is great but it also contributes to the burnout of we want to achieve we push 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 we get exhausted and burnt out by a striving like and usually long hours or serious amounts of pressure on ourselves. Yeah. And then yeah. it's not sustainable. Yeah, sustainability is such a good word to keep coming back to. Like what is actually sustainable for you? And that's going to be different for you than it is for someone else. Um, and yeah, so I think really thinking about like food and goals and, and all of the things that we've talked about through like that one kind of word or one lens um, could be really helpful. Yeah. And I think when we are, um, especially women, and every week feels different in our bodies with our cycle, I know that I have probably two weeks of the month feeling great and I can I can manage all my food and I want to eat really healthily. And then the last two weeks of my month, I can feel it kind of dipping and like, you know, craving carbs and craving sweet food. And until I and now I'm like, I kind of really watched my cycle, which has been a massive improvement for me because I know that I'm going to put a little bit of weight on towards my period, but inevitably the weight kind of falls off again and I want to eat soup and I don't want to eat cheese sandwiches, you know. The big, so I think that's just that recognition that our body needs different things throughout the month. And being okay with that is also, I think it's quite healthy and helpful that we have more awareness that we're just going to fluctuate and ebb and flow, you know, as our moods do and our energy levels. And, you know, maybe the intuitive eating side is a way of being able to kind of be a bit more aware of that. Would you say definitely while we're watching our cycles? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of that awareness without needing to control it, right? Like, yeah, there will be times in our lives when we're going to crave um, certain foods that maybe diet culture has taught us are off limits, and maybe our bodies are going to change. And letting that be okay, and trusting that our bodies are doing what they need to do in the moment. And even if you know, if if we gain weight and we don't lose weight later in the month, like that's okay too, right? Like your body knows what it's doing. Um, so yeah, it's sort of that, that's where like that body trust piece comes in. Um, like if I can listen to my body enough, it's mm. going to work itself out. It will be fine. Yeah. And that's learning to kind of reconnect, isn't it? Like you said, we were so many of us sort of, um, feeling like disassociated with our body we've disconnected with the feelings and being able to listen to our body more and I love that what you say this this trust and I know that this is something that you've trained in in this in this body trust because it is it's so powerful what our bodies do especially as women that I don't sometimes we do I definitely feel disconnected from my body so it's a great reminder um for that how can people feel 
more into that that body trust like what's what's a good tip of being able to kind of keep reconnecting back to our bodies yeah that's such a good question um I think it's gonna be so different for everybody depending on like level of comfort and just like experiences that we've had in our body right like some people are more comfortable entering into their body um and some people that's not a safe place um but I, I like to tell people like even just like one second of connecting and noticing like, okay, where am I feeling a sensation in my body, right? Like, am I feeling like this tightness in my chest? Okay, I'm aware of that. And then moving on um, and not feeling like you have to be in your body 100% of the time or you have to fully understand what's going on in your body 100% of the time. It's sort of like dipping your toe in the water. Um, and then over time that can become more natural where you you're tuning in without having to think about it and you're recognizing, oh, okay, like I have this tightness in my chest. That means that maybe I'm anxious. Maybe I need a few deep breaths and that becomes kind of this unconscious process. But again, it's like starting with the smallest step. Um, and so, you know, maybe setting an alarm like once a day to just like do a really quick five second body scan and just notice and don't make any meaning out of it. Just just kind of check in, um, I think would be a good starting place. Yeah, that feels really achievable, actually, isn't it? It's just yeah. kind of, again, it's like removing the judgment. Yeah, yeah. or the like, need to like do something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, not let's not overanalyze, which we like to do. Yeah. Let's just kind of, you know, be okay with the fact that we've got tension in our shoulders and just recognize that the, the tension's there. And like you say, that just a few deep breaths often just kind of, takes us out of our head back into our bodies and then we can carry on what we're doing um, and again that comes back to you know that impulse of eating that sometimes we just need to come back don't we just ground ourselves and just maybe we need to go for a walk maybe we need to drink some more water I know that you know sometimes drinking water is is like one of the most powerful powerful things that we can do yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah I know and I know that can like the mindfulness can be really hard for people with ADHD too, right? Like how do I even like know what's in my body? I can't think about that. And um, so like I have clients who will just like grab an ice cube um, or like a cold glass of water and just pay attention to like, how does that feel in my hand or how does that cold feel like going down my throat? So it's maybe more tangible. Yeah, of kind of an embodied experience. You're talking about drinking water. Yeah, no, that's a great <laughs> tip. That's a really great tip because sometimes if you are just doing something that hasn't got so much feeling, like like you say, tangible feeling, you just go back into your head. But I really like that idea of making the sensation a bit more dramatic or whatever you want yeah. to say. Yeah, that's a really yeah. great idea. Tell me, Alisa, how can this has been a really great conversation? And I know people would love to know how they can work with you connect with you. Where can people find you? Yeah. So yeah, I can be found online. My website is wiseheartnutrition.com. Um, and then I'm also on Instagram as the underscore ADHD underscore RD. Um, and I would say that's where I show up um, most consistently. Um, and then through there, there are links to either join. I have an intuitive eating with ADHD Facebook group community, um, and that's been growing. I think there's like 600 members. There's awesome conversations happening. Um, and so that can be a place to just kind of get introduced um, to some of the concepts, get to know me a little bit better. And then I, I have a group program that I am in the process of launching again. And so there's an application for that through the links on those pages as well. 
Fantastic. Oh, well, I'm sure that all these resources will be so helpful, especially if people are really resonating with this conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've really learned a lot and really enjoyed chatting to you. Yeah, thank you. I loved having this conversation. Well, hopefully we'll speak again soon. So that's today's episode done. Did what we talk about resonate with you? I really hope you found some takeaways that may inspire you to make some small changes that enhance your daily life. And if you did find this episode insightful, please do consider sharing it. Knowledge and awareness is power, especially with ADHD. You can also head over to the show's Instagram page, which is ADHD Women's Wellbeing Pod, and join the community that's waiting for you there. And if this episode really did strike a chord, please do consider leaving us a review to enable more people who need to hear these conversations find the show. Thanks so much for joining me today and see you next time.